that's the number one reason that most people do not start something, whether that's a fitness plan or health or, or starting a business or anything like this, or even getting more education to get a better job. Most people are not afraid of failure. They're afraid of what other people will say about their failures. This is episode number 129 with Tony Watley. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. My name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my co-host, Barbara Allen, and we have another incredible show for you here today. Uh, Maybe you are a first-time listener. You've never tuned in to the podcast before to discover all the amazing guests that we featured here on the show. And so I just kind of wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit about what American Snippets is all about, what our mission is is here and, and why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, first off, American Snippets is a patriotic and entrepreneurial mindset-driven interview show that inspires people to pursue more out of life and to go after their American dream. The show is hosted, again, by myself. Uh, I'm a real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, and coach, uh, and my co-host, Barbara Allen, who is a gold star wife. Uh, she's a military widow turned entrepreneur. She's an award-winning author and speaker. And together... We share inspiring stories from real Americans doing exceptional things in real life. And whether they are celebrities, entrepreneurs, military heroes, business leaders, or just small town Americans giving back to their communities, all of our guests are shining examples of the American spirit. And we want to encourage you to tap into and awaken your own American spirit to deepen your discipline, to raise your standards, to accomplish the goals that you have, to focus on what matters, and to become a better role model and leader, not only for your family and community, but also for your country. So if this all resonates with you, all that we ask is that you help spread our message of positivity, possibility, and patriotism by sharing this podcast with a friend, by sharing one of your favorite episodes uh, on social media, Facebook, or Instagram, uh, and of course, by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes to help us you know, get more of these stories out there. Because you know our mission is simple, and that's to celebrate all the freedoms and opportunities that we have here in this country to create and foster a culture that celebrates our nation and the patriotic values that we all hold so dear. So uh, we appreciate you being here today. Now let's get on to this week's episode with Tony Watley. Tony Watley was living one version of the American dream for over 20 years. He had a successful and lucrative career in the oil industry, but at some point he realized he had untapped passions and decided to create an online community centered on one of those passions. Uh, LS1 Tech is an online automotive community that Tony and a partner launched while Tony was still working in the oil industry. His side hustle community grew into one he and his partner eventually sold for millions of dollars. And Tony became hooked on the concept of teaching others how to turn a side hustle into millions. Today, Tony is a business mentor, speaker, author, and podcast host, helping others turn their passions into prosperity. So listen in as Tony talks about the importance of your inner circle, how to determine a business's viability, and why this country is packed with opportunities for anyone to create their own massive success. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Tony Watley. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. 
Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Very excited to be sitting down today with Tony Watley, who I just had the pleasure of being introduced to last week, and I already regret having come so lately into his game, but I'm already excited to have found him now because, you know, at American Snippets, we talk a lot about the American dream. We t- we share that story in different, you know, from different people in different ways, so people find that person they connect with individually. Tony's got another one of those stories, and and the more people say it's not possible for me to do, the more people we're going to keep throwing at you to show that it is, in fact, possible. Tony spent 20-something years in the corporate world doing really well for himself. And by all appearances, a lot of people would be more than happy with that level of success and just stop there. But he felt an itch. He wanted to do something more. I wanted to do something that fulfilled him. He had different passions. So just on the side, he built this little thing, this little community that happened to grow huge and which he managed to sell for like a massive hefty price that I'm going to have him tell you all about here in a minute. He's then scaled that success, turned it into a whole other career where now he's helping people figure out their purpose, clarify their mission and that thing that they're going to do to build their own side hustle, to build their own American dream. If you're sitting there thinking, I can't do this, I don't have the time, I'm in this job, I can't do it, buckle up buttercup because Tony's going to tell you exactly how he did it and he's going to tell you exactly how you can do it too. And we're going to get a little bit of his own personal story along the way. Tony, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Hey, Barb, that was an awesome intro. I just wanted to acknowledge you on that. That's very well done. And thank you (laughs) and Dave for having me on the show. I can't wait to help some of your listeners get over some of the excuses that they have to keep from starting a business. Yeah, it's great. I'm super excited. It's easy to introduce people when I love what they do, right? Just Plus, I talk a lot. So, but thank you. Um, Okay. So let's start. We'll start with where you're at now. And then we're going to go back and show how you built up to that and where you're going from here. Okay. Tell a little bit about your company. You have a lot going on. You have your podcast, 365 Driven. It's also your company. You're the side hustle millionaire. You know, the book going on. You speak, you coach, but tell people like where you're at now, what you love doing and what you help people do. So people that have just found me in the last two and a half years, they basically have seen what you mentioned, 365 Driven, the brand name. And that was something I launched in June of 2017 really as a way to get away from the corporate world. I left the corporate world about three years ago and there was about a six month period in there. I was kind of going through depression and you know, looking for a job and just feeling the scarcity and all these different things. Because I grew up with two hardworking blue collar parents and to them, like not having a job was like the scariest thing ever, right? And a lot of us are programmed with that as early children. We see our parents get laid off from job and they come home and they're basically like, Tyrannosaurus Rex for the next few months until they find a new job. So we kind of start to relate like this stress and anxiety of not being employed. And I felt that even though I had financially millions around, I I still felt that feel. And and it's like, this is kind of crazy. Why am I feeling that way? So I decided I'm not going to look for another job. I'm going to go bet on myself. I've been owning businesses for the last 20 years. So what is it that I wanted to do? How am I going to create more impact in this world? So I said, okay, there's two things I love. Cars, and business. So I think about, okay, so if I can maybe impact thousands of people, I used to think smaller, I used to think I can impact thousands of people by teaching them how to do business because people are always coming to me for advice on how to start businesses, how to scale their companies, how to become better at marketing. And that wasn't what I was doing. I was an oil and gas project manager that owned businesses. So I was just doing those things very well. And so I started to listen to what they kept saying, like, Tony, you should be doing this full time. This is like what you're meant to do. And I, and I do I have a lot of energy speaking about business and entrepreneurship. 
So I said, okay, I'm gonna go do that. This is something I actually do have a lot of passion for. Everybody always saw the fancy cars and the things that I've had the last 20 years. So I went up back on my social media and I was like, you guys, thank you for supporting me and like seeing all the fancy cars and the racing and all that thing I do, but I'm going to start teaching you how to get those cars. And I'll tell you, Barb, some of the people pushed back about, I'd say about 5% of the people were like, well, we only follow you because you got cool cars and now we, we don't care about all this business mumbo jumbo. And I, I just figured that, hey, you know what? I can't serve those people because yeah. those aren't the people I want to target. So I want to help people who do want to know. And a lot of people who also had fancy cars were like, hey, man, this is awesome, dude. We need more people out there sharing this because to be honest, I was not the right person to step in front of that camera or get on a microphone or get on a stage. So it's really the things that people are hearing the way I speak now and the things that you see me on stage and the podcast. That was a concerted effort over the last two and a half years to become a better version of myself to be able to communicate this effectively. Yeah. So I love what you said about the pushback. I think I think that could be one sign that some people take to like, oh my gosh, I they're right, I should stop, right? Like that, some people instantly shut down, like if you're insecure. But it's also a sign that you're doing something that people would love to do, but like it annoys them because if they see you doing it, then they know that they have to do it too, right? And so they stop. We got a lot of pushback. I lost a lot of people, you know, like friends and all this, and you know, see air, you, air right? Quotes, air yeah, quotes, yeah. friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah like Definitely. onward, you know, because you just have to. You have to be willing to lose some people and know that you're going to gain people, right? Into into that circle. You just have to be able to restructure your circle and understand that everybody has a time and a season in your life, and you know, I teach people to count on it. I think that yeah. a lot of times people don't get started from their business. That's the number one reason that most people do not start something, whether that's a fitness plan or health or, or starting a business or anything like this, or even getting more education to get a better job. Most people are not afraid of failure. They're afraid of what other people will say about their failures. So yeah. that comes back down to the fear of being judged or criticized. That's what it all boils down to. So we have all these people out there that basically dictate your life because you're so worried about them. And you think about it, these people that are going to be critics, they're not going to be at your funeral. They're not going to yeah. be at your deathbed. So we allow these people to dictate our entire lives and limit our growth and our potential with something that we don't even give a shit about these people. So it's like, you got to put these things in perspective, start thinking about what is the potential upside of the thing that you want to create or start versus the downside. I quit thinking about losing because Everybody has that same fear, but those who are willing to stand out there and try something new, they're the ones that get the results. And I want always people to think about that. You're going to have critics. You're going to have naysayers. You're going to have haters. Even if you're the best person in this world and you're doing everything from a good intention and you have a great heart and you're very supportive, you will have critics. And it's because you're doing something finally worth noticing. So those people that wear a false badge of honor that say, hey, I have no critics. I, I treat everybody right. It's like, you know what? That just means you're obscure. That means yeah. you're not doing anything worth noticing. That's a hard truth. It's a bitter pill to swallow, but it's the truth. Because think about this. All of the people who created major impacts in the history of mankind had haters, had critics. Jesus Christ was trying to save the world, had haters, had critics, had murderers. Yeah. Martin Luther King trying to create a movement, very positive, had haters, had critics, had murderers. So you got to think about the people who made the ma ma massive impacts in this world they were trying to do things for good intentions and they still had them. So expect them and also to celebrate when you finally get some, because like you said, Barb, it's finally, you're doing something that people notice finally. Yeah. And you know, that, that can be harder for some people to, 
to take than others. It it got me down for a little while at first and I got like all negative and like, fuck this, you know, like, you know, like the first, the first but year yeah. was tough. Yeah, the first yeah. year was it's tough. It's hard, right? It's hard. But you, but you need to expect it. And that's, that's the insight that I wish I would have learned yeah. before I went. So if you're, if you're thinking about starting it, I don't want you to go into the fear of the unknown because most people are willing to settle for the crappy lives or the complacent lives or that routine or rut that they're stuck in because they know it. They're familiar with it. So they accept it, even though they dislike it and they don't want to be there, they accept it because it's the known. So the fear of the unknown is what keeps most people from starting something new. And the fear of the unknown also includes that potential criticism or judgment from people that you know. But the thing is, is that I want you to know that it's going to happen. That way it becomes not a fear of the unknown. I want you to expect that it's going to happen. So when it does, you're like, oh, there it is. I've actually done something. Exactly. So (laughs) it removes it from the unknown list. It becomes known like, go get it. Go find those haters. Yeah. I'd rather work with someone or connect with someone who's gone out there and tried things and failed even big, even if they failed big, or maybe especially if they failed big, you know, if you understand, they understand and learn the lessons and take and grow. I think it's more exciting to work with those people than someone who's never, you know, dared to try. But anyway, I digress, which I often do. So let's, um, so your clients now, who is a typical client maybe, or a, t- you know, not your only typical client, but like, give me someone who you may work with on a regular basis. What does that person look like? So I guess as a, as a coach, we have different tiers of different yeah. levels, basically. So I would say entry level, people would be right reading my book because the book was basically how to take ideas that are in your head for your businesses because everybody's got a bunch of ideas. And they walk around patting themselves on the back for their ideas. But yeah. let's face it, ideas don't mean shit because thousands of people die every single day with good ideas that they never brought out to the world. So my idea of that book, Side Hustle Millionaire, is to take your ideas Compare them against each other. Have some quantity, you know, quantity calculations to understand which ones are going to give you the best odds of success. And then it takes you on a really routine process of here's how we do the marketing. Here's how we do the branding. Here's the advertising social media strategy. Here's how the good ideas for a website. Basically understanding all the answers for an entry-level entrepreneur. It's ideas to take your idea and to create it into operation. That's what that book's for. So that would be the starting point. Yeah. And then we'll do the group coaching program. These are the people that want to work 15 to 20 people at a time to have a support network that are helping each other level up and do things in interesting ways and have some experiential in-person meetings and gain some insights from my massive network of people who are experts in these different areas of business. And then if they want to graduate from that, they can go on to the one-on-one type coaching where they get more specific and specialized information, retain, you know, targeting themselves as a, as an entrepreneur or an executive, how to improve on a personal level as well as their business. But it's, you know, one-on-one is always going to be the best just because it's specifically to your business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned uh, your network, which is something that we talk a lot about the power of your network, the power of proximity, you know, you are who you surround yourself with. Who are some people in your network and how did you come to know them over the last couple of years? Well, I'm always a believer in investing yourself and investing in your network and mentors. And as a coach, I think that anybody that's looking to hire a coach should always ask that coach, who are your mentors? Who are your Mm -hmm. coaches? Because think about this. I can't ask someone to spend thousands of dollars with me if I don't invest in the same process. Like, how am I going to sell you on what services I create if I don't believe in them for myself? So my two mentors, which I pay nearly six figures, are Ed Milet and Andy Frazella. Both of them grew up without money. Two powerhouses, two titans of industry, 
killing it on stage. I mean, these guys get paid over $100,000 to speak for one hour on stage. Yep. Those are the kind of people that I work with that I hired to, to teach me. So both of them, you know, nine figure net worth that came from zero. So that's the people I want to learn from. They're doing things on a higher level. That's the kind of lifestyle that I want to create for myself. And that's the message that I want to create for myself. So go learn from two of the best. Yeah. And what would you say to somebody who's like, Man, I'd love to go work with Ed Milet, but you know, because right there, I look for the things people are going to channel into excuses, right? I don't have six figures to, to spend on coaching. Like, are there, you know, graduating levels of coaching that you can do to to work your work your way up? Absolutely, and that is very important because you'll meet a lot of people like myself or Ed or Andy and things like that in the world that have these really big visions of things, and we yeah. have, we think on really big terms and have this crazy awareness. But the thing is, is that none of us started that way. Right. Like if you're listening to this, don't think about trying to make a million dollars. Think about hey, what can I do to make an extra thousand dollars this month? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you start there. When I started my first company, I was just trying to make five hundred dollars extra a month because. That was the car note that I had at the time. I was like, you know what? If I could build this company and if I could make $500 <laughs> a month, it would be like having a free car and it'd be doing something I enjoy. And that, I, I, I illustrate that because I want to okay. paint it in perspective that I didn't have this awareness. I didn't have that experience. I didn't have the wisdom. I didn't have these failures to learn from. You learn as you go. So don't think that just because you don't have these giant visions of someone like me that you can't get started. You have to have your own goals and the thing is, is when you start to take those steps to reach that final goal that you create, you're going to gain more confidence. And when you get more confidence, you're willing to take more risks and then you're going to gain more momentum and momentum's huge. Most people undervalue momentum. The thing is, is if you can string a bunch of wins together by taking the smallest steps and seeing the results from those, it compounds over time. And you start to get the results in a bigger way. But then you start to eventually start to think these big, big things like I'm going to impact millions of people in their generational legacy. These are things that we learn over time. Don't be hard on yourself if you don't have those thoughts. Go attack the thing that you think you can accomplish now. Yeah, I love it. When you were growing up, you know, as a little kid or as a teenager, did you have these thoughts that I'm going to go out and be an entrepreneur somewhere? Or did you, were you all like, I'm going to go all in, I'm going to work corporate, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to study, I'm going to be in the corporate world? Like, you know, what was that mindset at that time? I always had the employee mindset and probably until about age 30, to give you an honest. And, and what I mean yeah. by employee mindset is, you know, you and I talked before the microphone fired up, but my dad was U.S. military Marines. He's a Vietnam vet. So I grew up with a gunnery sergeant in my house. I was born on a Marine base. My mom, Japanese immigrant, she came over here without knowing any English. And basically, she worked in the public school systems her entire life as a cafeteria worker. So she loved her job. She loved helping kids. And she was always the optimist. She always taught me how to think bigger because coming from Japan, a Japanese woman in her era, they got plucked out of school at junior high level to go work in the farms. So she always valued education. She always was really hard on education for me. And basically I did not miss a single day of school from kindergarten through graduation. Because oh, you're I wasn't the kid dying, that got everyone sick. Dude, if I wasn't dying, <laughs> you're getting your ass on the bus. And, yeah. and, and honestly, I, I hated that. But yeah. the thing is, it made me who I am. I have discipline. I show up and consistency is my only word that I focus on. And that's because of a testament of having a disciplinarian father on the respect and doing things right, showing up on time, treating people with, you know, being a leader. And my mom was the empath, you know, caring about other people, helping other people, doing all these things for other kids. That's how I gained a good combination of both. But the thing is, is that you had to evolve in that. So I learned that hard work is just hard work. And that's all I knew growing up. And if I wanted more money, 
I was the kid that was knocking on doors, mowing yards, asking if I could wash cars for neighbors to get paid because I didn't have allowance. We didn't have money. Like we had a roof, we had food, we had a good school system that they moved us into. We literally lived in the crappiest neighborhood in that town just to have a good school system for me and my sister. And the thing is they made sacrifices and I understand the hard work. You know, my dad would work 10 to 12 hours a day. My mom would work hard and I said, okay, then I need to go work hard. And that's all I knew was how to trade my hours for dollars. That's yeah. all I knew for a long time. So there was times I was working three jobs. Even when I graduated engineering school, which I paid for for myself working full time, I still went and waited tables in the evenings because I did not have the lifestyle that I wanted. So I had this engineering salary and I had an engineering degree and I would go put on an apron at 4.30 in the afternoon when I got off that job and I'd go wait tables seven days a week. Wow. And then when that wasn't enough, I'd go work in a mechanic shop on Saturday mornings through lunchtime and then go back to the restaurant that night to make money. So that's all I knew was how to trade my hours for dollars. And that's what I call the employee mindset because that's all we know. And then I started thinking, man, this is killing me. I don't know. You know how's, how am I going to make more than this? How am I going to do things better? I need to start figuring out how to make money while I'm sleeping. I need to start figuring out how to make money when I don't have to be present. I need to start making money how I can scale when I'm on vacation. I don't have to worry about these things. And that's when I started thinking about maybe I need to start a business rather than trying to trade my hours for dollars all the time. Yeah. But you were in the corporate world at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I remained there for 20 years. But the thing is, is that I got so good at minimizing my time. I was building online companies that were making six figures on their own profit wise that I didn't really have to walk away from. Like one of the companies I still own today, I make about 800,000 a year in revenue and that's 15 minutes a day. So anybody can do that kind of thing when they build that up over time. I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. Right. I've had that company for 12 years now. When it initially got started, I was probably making about $10,000 extra cash per year, but that's not a bad thing. No, Now it's no, making severely yeah. more than that. And, it, and I've always figured out how to not invest a lot of time into managing those things with online businesses nowadays. It is so much easier now than when I started those companies. And the other one grew to making about $400,000 a year profit. That was like one hour per day maximum, even if that. So think about this. There's no different, there's no relationship between time and money. And it's this bullshit that we hear as children growing up. Time is money. Money is time. That is the employee mindset. And you've been programmed with that for decades yes. of your life. And you start to believe that. You don't understand what's possible. But the thing is that the people who are extra, extra wealthy in this world, they know that time is not equal to money. Money is independent of time. Money gets earned regardless of time if you create the right systems and businesses. Yeah. and But on the flip side, you know, it's money that allows you to have your time, right? Like Absolutely. You, yeah, as we get older, as we get older. It's vehicle to time, yeah. Yeah, we, we start to focus on how can we get more time because yes. we realize that the time is running out. Yeah, yeah. It, it allows you to have more time, more impact on people you love and people that you want to help and all that. So it, it is a hard thing. And I speak about this with a, a lot of the guests um, because I experienced it as well and I know how hard it is to break out of that mindset. And at some point you can almost feel disloyal or you can feel like, you're trash talking your parents or whatever, but they were raised in the generation, time is money, work hard, don't stop working. You know, I had the same thing, unless we were, I could literally be passing out, but I'd be getting on the bus to go to school you know, some days because my dad was like, we'd rather be sick in school than home with my dad because he'd make us work no matter how sick we were, you know, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, if you're, if you're um, listening to this, but, like in 30s and 40s, 50s and yeah. 60s, if you're listening to this and you're in those age demographics, realize that when we were younger, we defined businessman or businesswoman as someone that had a storefront in our town. Yes. 
Yeah, so yeah. we thought like only rich people could become business owners. So we've created this false narrative that business owners mean you have to have a storefront with nine to five posted right. on the front door and you have to show up every day. And dude, that sounds like a job to me. That doesn't sound like a business. So that is the mindset that most people carry. So they think, well, I don't have that. I don't have the funds to go get a business and create this storefront. And do I don't have time to do that. I don't want to hire employees. So they rely on just going to get a job because they think that's the only option they have. But nowadays, your business is the cell phone that you carry around. Everybody carries around a cell phone nowadays, especially a smartphone. You could have your business within that. Yeah. The entire world could be your customer base. It doesn't have to be your zip code, your town. You yeah. could live in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a forest. As long as you had Wi-Fi connection, you could have a business. So people need to get away from that old style thinking of business is just a location. It's a storefront. No, nope, I can. I'm sitting here talking to you, Barb, on a podcast. And yeah. there's money being made in the background and I don't have to be anywhere. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, so what would you do if the internet crashed and was gone? We had no internet for six months, say, in this country. Every, that whole thing crashed. What would you do? To I think with, with the internet, you basically would have to just monetize your service skills. Let's, yeah. let's face it. Like if, you, if we had no internet, we had to go back to the way it was. It was basically monetizing a skill set that you have. I've got a lot of skills that I've learned. And I think most people kind of just don't, they kind of give up. Let's, let's be honest. I think most people, not listeners to your podcast, obviously, because people that listen to podcasts tend to be more educated or want to learn new things. Yeah. But most people, let's be honest, very few people of the population listen to podcasts or read books beyond high school. They, they, they perceive books as something that they had to do to take a test. And then when they don't have to take any more tests, they quit reading. So I would say that honestly, 90% of the population here in the United States do, do not read any more books. They just don't read anymore. So think about that for a second. If you're actually reading books and you're learning things and podcasting and gaining new knowledge, you're constantly gaining new skills or knowledge that you can monetize. You're going to be so far ahead of other people should that happen if no internet exists. Yeah, true. So when did you start that first online community and what like, that was just because you like cars and you wanted to would you just pop on Facebook and say or whatever you popped on and say hey I'm gonna put some car pictures up and talk about cars and it just blew up no actually I sold I built and sold that company before Facebook even existed so I nice. sold it in 2007 and exited out 2009 Facebook kicked off around 2008 2009 yeah so we built this online community because we were here's a, here's the other thing people think that they have to be super inventive when they want to be a business owner that's not true if you could just make something 1% better if you, there's something out there a product or service that's already existing. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just make a better wheel. So don't kill yourself about being lack of creativity. That's the biggest fallacy. I would say that 95% of businesses out there are just a better version of something that already existed. So think about how you can improve something. So that's what we did is we were hanging out on another car website that was being mismanaged. The guy that was running the site, he would basically not pay his server bill. It would get deleted. So all the content that we were creating, all the how-to articles, all the things mm -hmm. that we were investing in our time would get deleted. And basically, we would come back and go, hey, man, why are you not paying your server bill? You have advertisers. You're making a profit. And, and finally, the guy was like, well, if you guys think you can do a better job, you should go create your own website. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Dude, you don't tell people like that <laughs> no. you know, to me. You don't tell me like yeah. that because it wasn't even yeah, yeah. a thought in my mind because if there was right. some place for me to hang out already, it's like I'm getting value from this. It's fun. Right. I don't have to go. I have businesses. I don't have to go do that. So someone said that to me and I was like, oh, okay. So 
you're saying, I'll, you know, I'll go, I can figure this out. I can read some stuff online and figure out how to create a website and, and upload a server and, you know, do some software stuff. That's easy. I can learn that. So that's what we did. I had one business partner in Chicago. I'm in Houston. I was doing all the graphic design, all the technical stuff, all the layouts. He was basically the recruiter because that's what he did for a profession. He was a technical recruiter. He had an agency. So he was out there recruiting sponsored dollars by saying, hey, we got this thing we're building and you, you, would you like to come advertise? We'll get you in at an entry level rate and we'll grandfather you in if you become one of the first you know, 50 sponsors. And that's what we did. We started growing this thing out. And honestly, we started it as a hobby. It wasn't intended to like, you know, make big money. Like I said, we talked about making $500 extra a month. We both had a car note about that price. And within probably the first three months, we were making pretty good money. So we're like, oh, wow, this isn't a hobby anymore. Like maybe we need to go get an LLC later. You know, like, what is that? I don't know. Let's go figure that out. So the thing is, these are good ways to illustrate that you just need to get started and understand that you don't have that, you don't need to have all the answers to get started. You learn as you go. We, we were making probably $10,000 a month extra before we figured out like, oh, this is like a business now. Like we need to go do something about like, you know, make this legal. Yeah. So that's what we did. So understand like, this is how we do things as entrepreneurs. We solve problems. We find challenges. We get better. We revise things. We do things better and better and better. We started growing it. And then we started to treat it like a business, which is why that grew so big. So to give you a high level in overview is, is ls1tech.com. That's the website. It still exists. It's been around since 2001. It grew into the largest General Motors performance car community on the internet. It still is to this day. There's over 300,000 registered members. When we sold it, it was probably around 180,000 registered members. So think about that. Nowadays, data is more valuable than gold or yeah. oil. Yeah. So we had data. We had contact information. We had email addresses. We had six figures worth of that. And we were able to duplicate that business model into another niche. We created performancetrucks.net, which today is 260,000 members. So we were able to replicate that business model twice. It wasn't like a lightning strikes once type of thing. And it grew. And because it grew so big, we also knew that if we can get more audience, just like this podcast mm -hmm. or any other social media presence, influencer space. If you have a bigger audience, you create more leverage. And when you have more leverage, you attract more ad dollars. So yeah. a lot of times people fail, especially podcast hosts or people building their influence online. They fail because they try to monetize people too soon. And I like to build massive communities. It's one of my superpowers. So I think about building a massive audience and then monetizing it later. Most people do it wrong and then they never grow the audience. Yeah. And as I'm in exactly that space, I can attest that that is true. You know, you gotta, gotta take your time, gotta build your community and you have to do it with sincerity. You have to mean right. what you're building. You know, you can't just build it with an eye on, let me get the numbers in and then I can charge them for stuff, right? You have to believe in what you're doing and be authority on it and add the value that you propose, you know, you purport to, to add. And those are steps. It can be difficult for people to get that it's not going to happen quickly. It's going to take and sometimes a couple of years to build that like real solid community. It's hard stuff, but to get into it. And, I, and that's why I love that you're, you're reinforcing that and you're backing that up. And to, you know, that person listening who thinks that they can't do it so far, I, don't, I think you've given every reason why you can do it. Any level of person, you know, can do it. What is one of the moments that you had where you were like, Oh man, you had to have had a moment where you're like, I don't know if this is worth it anymore. Or like, I'm tired and I don't want to get up and do what I was going to do today. Or I just like, I'm over this. Like, you know, how do, what was one of those moments and how did you get through it? And, I think and that, do it anyway. 
Yeah, I love that question because a lot of people, especially when they're posting about things on social media, they always share their success stories. But yeah. the thing is that, yeah, sex, success stories are very inspirational and you can learn things from that. But the thing is, is that failures are probably more valuable lessons. And, and you know, the thing is that people will remember your wins, they'll, win, they'll remember your grand slams. Yeah. And even the best entrepreneurs tend to forget their losses pretty quick and move on. It's like lick your wounds, move on, do something else, regroup. So we don't spend a lot of time dwelling on the negative things, but I'll say that there was only two companies I created that made millions of dollars out of nine potential companies that I started. So think about that is that it's very similar. It's two out of nine. That's less than 30%. And you think about that, even a great analogy is like the hall of fame baseball players, like the best hitters still only bat less than 30%. So the people that are in the hall of fame, major league yeah. baseball, bat less than 30%. So when you kind of realize that you're like, Oh, wow, I can actually be a hall of fame entrepreneur and actually still win less than 30%. It's true. We see this really up here in a lot of different walks of life and entrepreneurship. An example would be those who are maybe venture capitalists, the one who spend or invest millions of dollars into startups. These people, I've met a few of them. I've got to some of them in my network. They will tell you like, Hey, you know what, Tony, I'll, I'll go and invest $10 million this year in different startups. And I only expect one out of those 10 to actually hit. You think about that. They're, they're going in knowing they're going to yeah. lose 90% of their money yeah. because yeah. they're betting on one to hit. Because if that one hits, boom, it like multiplies that imbe- investment by tenfold. So you think about that way. Like you have to think about failure as a, it's something that I, I wouldn't say to expect it, but also say not to chase failure, obviously, but to right. understand that it's possibility. But you also have to just learn from those things because when you're first getting started, you might lose a thousand dollars. You might lose ten thousand dollars. That's going to be like a drop in the bucket when you when you start thinking about that thing in long term. When you yeah. start getting in those big things and these venture capitalists are losing tens of millions of dollars, those lessons learned when you can lose a thousand dollars, they're valuable. Like I'd rather lose a thousand dollars now and learn that lesson than learn later now and lose lose ten million dollars. Right? Yeah. True. True. So uh, let's switch over a little bit to the personal side, the personal life. You're married. Yes. How did you meet your, I love asking people that how they met their spouse question. It's fun for me. I'm a chick. I dig it. And yeah. <laughs> gets people to, to, to get to know you a little better. This is a, yeah. this is a good story. So I've been with my wife 17 years now. Yeah. So we've been married 15 now. And I actually met her in a country Western ballroom dancing class. Love it. So think about that is that I had a good friend, Todd. He was, a, he actually became our best man. And you know, I used to frequent the bars here in the Houston area, and I always knew that the, the men that could dance had women lined up to dance with them, especially at the country bars, right? So yeah. you see like, wow, even the ugly dudes get a yeah. line of women. Like the guy <laughs> will come off the floor and the women are like tapping his shoulder, hey, take me out there and dance. So it, it didn't take too long for me being that opportunist mind. I was like, man, if I could learn how to dance, like, <laughs> that's awesome. These women will be like lined up to go dance with me. Like, this is great. So like, I looked at my buddy and he's like, Hey man, you can dance a little. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you want to learn some more moves? And like, he's like, hell yeah, let's join. So we went, he and I both, you know, two alpha dudes went and took country Western ballroom dance oh lessons. God, and, I love that. and the thing <laughs> is, it's like, I met her and her sister, she was there taking it with her sister. And the thing is we didn't start dating until a year later because she had a boyfriend and I was, you know, being a single dude. And, but we would see them out at the country bars and we'd dance together. And the thing about country dancing is you can actually have conversations while you're dancing because you're face to face. and yeah. It's not a sexual type thing. People yeah. will dance each other of all ages. It's very easy. It's very easy. So if, Hey, yep, if I'm you're listening to this, 
if you're listening to this and you're single, <laughs> like you better go find a country bar because it's not a pickup place. It's actually places where people can have genuine conversations and meet each other and they don't feel like there's any strings attached when they dance with each other. So it's a great place to meet people. Yeah. Even if you hate country, go do that. Cause I, I didn't love country when I first started, but I kind of fell into it. I enjoy it now. The thing is that's how we met. That's so cool. I converted my fiance to country music. You know, I've been out there. I haven't got him on the dance floor yet, but you know, but I can attest that, yeah, you go to that bar, go to that place, mm -hmm. the music fires up. You just want to dance, man. That's genius. Yeah. So, and that's another great example, right? People, sometimes when I tell people, you know, we focus on the entrepreneurial spirit, they just shut right down. They're like, well, I'm a teacher. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I work at the, I own this the car company that I got to work. I don't, I'm not an entrepreneur. So what you have is for me, but there's a difference between the entrepreneurial spirit and a straight up entrepreneur. You can work in the corporate world. You were in the corporate world. You have the entrepreneurial spirit, right? There's, and that dance lesson is an example of somebody who has the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you had that problem, you know, or you, you know, you, you, that challenge, a problem like I want to, this is what I want to do. And you assess the situation, you found the solution and you took a tact that most people aren't going to take. And here you are all these years later, like at work, right? The entrepreneurial spirit means more than making money, right? How else does that spirit pop out in your life? And what are the other things that you do? Because there's got to be more things it, that you do. Yeah. It, that you nailed it. So entrepreneurship is always stepping up to the challenge and finding a solution. Most people bring excuses to every solution instead of the answers. And the thing is, is that there are no unique problems in this world. Every, yeah. everything that we suffer from, every challenge, every problem that we face as an individual or as a society has been around for thousands of years. And guess what, guys? Thousands of years of people have solved those problems. The, the solutions exist. So you're like, if I can't dance, what do I do? Go hire someone to teach me how to dance. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I, and, and I think the most recent case with me becoming a, a public speaker, I, there's a funny story. I can, I can share the backstory of that too, but yeah. I found out that I have fear of public speaking by attending a, a thousand person industrial comp, you know, conference for oil and gas. And I, I had an answer for the speaker. He wanted some kind of an idea and I raised my hand and I was sitting near the stage and, and I was kind of starting to blurt out the answer. And he's like, hold up, let's get you a microphone so everybody can hear the response. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like, first of all, <laughs> he called me first out of several people that raised their hand. Yeah. And I thought I was going to be able to just from the comfort of my own chair, sitting at that table, blurt out the answer. But then the person with the microphone was like on the other side of the convention center. And there's a thousand people sitting at these large round tables. So it was a big hall and I'm standing there and I'm starting to feel the body core temperature start to rise. I started feeling the sweaty palms and my throat started to close up. And I was, I was, I started to feel the sweat droplets forming on top of my head because I had a thousand people staring at me waiting for this microphone to show up. And I gave the answer and everybody liked the answer. I cl they clapped and I sat down. And then for the next five minutes, I was wiping sweat off my face with a napkin thinking, what the hell just happened? Like I've never <laughs> experienced the fear of public speaking like that. I've built massive companies. I've led project teams with 75 people. I've given the pep talks. I've given hundreds of slideshows, but I've never stood in front of a thousand people waiting in anticipation to give a response and having to feel that, that fear. So I realized like, wow, this is like stage fright. This is crazy because at that moment I realized that all of the air quotes public speaking I did was having just an occasional courage to stand in front of people and speak. But the thing is, is we are ignorant until we learn 
that public speaking has nothing to do with just having the courage to stand in front of people and speak because let's face it, people will get on stage, people will fire up these microphones. They don't have any emotion in their voice, no conviction. No, they they just don't know how to speak properly, but they have an ego thinking like, well, I can stand in front of people and speak. So I'm good at public speaking. I've given a hundred slideshows. I've closed (laughs) sales and I've done these deals and I'm good at public. No, you're not. If you're, if you're telling yourself that, if you're listening to this, if you've never had public speaking training, you are not an effective public speaker. I hate to tell you that because that's the thing I believed in. So I go speak on leadership and these corporate levels. And I always bust people in the ego. It's like, nah, if you never had any training, you actually are not a good public speaker. And I'll tell you why. It's because you're not good at effective message. You say things like, um, and, ah, and, and, and they distract your message. You're not using your conviction in your voice. You're not speaking with emotion. You're not really controlling the pace of how you speak to yeah. gain more engagement from the audience. There's a lot of tactics that public speaking takes. So I joined Toastmasters and I, and I studied and I practiced and I hired a coach and, and I basically did social media videos for a year straight. Like every day I would make videos on Instagram or, you know, basically Facebook videos to get better because it's all public speaking skills. Yep. This microphone, public speaking skills. If you would have interviewed me two years ago, I would have sounded a completely different person. And I want to go, I'll, I'll give you an idea of the listeners of how I probably sound because this is how most dudes speak. I would have been called Mono Tony because this is how, here, here's the old Tony. Thank you, Barb. I, I really appreciate um, this <laughs> opportunity to be on your show. And you know what? Um, it's a great opportunity. And I, I really can't wait to um, share my thoughts with the listeners. And it's going to be so exciting. <laughs> That's how most dudes speak. Yeah, yeah. That's how most dudes speak. It's, it's just... Yes. Even people who think they can stand in front of people and speak, that's how they speak. And they wonder why people get up and go take a piss break while they're standing on stage. Yeah, very true. I love it. That's all like the cold, hard, straight up truth. You got to have it. You got to have it. And I love that you just see something and you're like, oh, no, that's unacceptable. You know, I can't do this. Unacceptable. I got bullshit on that. I'm going to go do that. You know, (laughs) that's that is all the entrepreneurial spirit, but it's also, it's like, it's what makes life so much fun, right? You can have fun and you're, you're going to splat, you're going to face plant, you're going to do all that stuff and it's going to suck when it happens. But how much fun is it when you're like, man, that was crazy. And you look back, you're like, Whew, you know, I survived that and onward to the next thing. And I think every time you do face plant or you get up in Toastmasters and you, Toastmasters is a supportive group. They want you to succeed. They've all been there. So that's a super safe, but still challenging place to do it. It's a great blend of feeling that you have to level up to them and you don't want to let them down. But you also know that everybody there understands what you're going through. And it's a huge, it's a great mentorship place to go. But, you know, it makes you say, well, you know, if I survive that, I'm going to go try this. And if I fail at that, I'm going to go try that, you know, until, until you find that winning combination. Where can people connect with you and become a part of your community? Learn more about what you're doing. So my website is 365driven.com. So 365driven. And from there, you'll find links to my best-selling book, the podcast, the social medias. I'm very active on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And I've also got a Facebook community, about 3,000 entrepreneurs. It's free. Look it up. It's called 365driven entrepreneurs. And you know, if you don't spam my group... <laughs> We'll add you basically because that's we, we keep a very tight community. You guys heard I'm a community builder, yeah. so I know what it takes to lead those kind of communities and keep a cultivated interest to keep engagement because it's a support group for entrepreneurs to be willing to ask questions and participate. We've got several people in there that are multi multi millionaires and people who are just getting started, and it's an awesome mix because 
I see some of the most successful people being the most contributing to help other people get there. And that's what we need. So I get rid of all the jerks and assholes and people who spam and people who are passive aggressive. And yeah. same, same way I grew my automotive community. I just got rid of people who are basically offensive and rude and, you know, tell people like, you should just go use Google to learn that. Like, you know, if you're answering like that, you have a fixed mindset and we don't want you in our group. Yeah. You can't convert everybody to your mindset and, that can be another hard thing to learn. You feel like, well, I failed if I don't reach that person. Well, not everybody's going to be your person. Not everybody's going to be, you know, your tribe. I don't really like the word tribe, but I don't know why it annoys me. Like fur baby. I can't stand that either. But, <laughs> but like, I don't know why. Like, But I almost said the word, you know, but you know, not everybody's going to be a member of your community, right? You don't like to vibe with your tribe? I do <laughs> I don't know why. Just oh God, just like oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard, right? Um, and I love animals, but don't don't call them my fur babies. I don't know. I, <laughs> I keep digressing. I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right. So we talk a lot, and you know, I mentioned earlier in the top of this podcast, and I mention all the time. Part of why we started this, a large part of why we started this, because we saw the problem of all the negativity in the country and people buying into the negativity. I was buying into the negativity. I was buying into the fact that my husband died in Iraq and nobody cared. Nobody was using all the things that he died providing. You know, I was buying into it and I realized it impacted me. And so we started, we were like, that's a problem. We couldn't find anybody to solve that for us, to be that positive vibe, to reverse it. So we started to reverse it ourselves. And part of that is, um, you know, we think that when you, take care of yourself, you build your own core, then you can impact your family, you can impact your community, it impacts your country. It's a ripple effect. And yeah. we love connecting people all along. But a big part of that is the American dream, right? The old American dream used to be getting your horse and wagon and make it across country and stake your plot and find gold in California or whatever it is, right? But today there's a whole new American dream. You're living it. You talked a lot about it, the digital version. You can sit in the woods and build a fortune and build a successful a career and you can impact people from a treehouse, you know, if that's where you're sitting, <laughs> you know, uh, you really can, you really can. So we believe the American dream is alive and well. We love that our community continues to connect us with people like you who are prime examples of that. But we also understand that it looks different for everybody. Everyone has their own version of what the American dream looks like for them. So that whole long spiel and wind up was so that I can set you up, give you the foundation and then ask you, what is that version of the American dream for you? When you think about that, what does that mean for you personally? I think I greatly benefited by growing up with a mom who was an immigrant. And, yeah. and there's even statistics. If you want to go look on Google, like we talked about, <laughs> they show that immigrants here to the United States, especially first and second generation immigrants, have a higher success rate, especially when you look at the trajectory of them coming in really broke mm -hmm. and becoming highly successful. And it's not because they were more educated. It's not because they had better privileges. It's because they were more willing to, to see things and actually have gratitude for the opportunities that we have in this country. I find, and I hate to say it because I've traveled all over the world. I've worked in third world countries. I worked in Africa, things like that. Gaining that kind of perspective really starts to something you bring home. You bring that home, that perspective when you go around those kind of things. And you start to see that Americans in general, I love America. It's my favorite country, obviously. But let's be honest, Americans, a lot of people take things for granted here because you live in this bubble. You were fortunate to win the birth lottery to be born in the best country in the world, but you take things for granted. A lot of people who think that we're, you know, lower, lower income people here, they would be considered wealthy in some of these countries that we go to in third world countries. You know, our, our street bombs have iPhones. 
Like that doesn't even make sense in other countries. There's people even, no matter how low you think about, like someone is pushing a shopping cart full of stuff. Like you've seen people with this pile of stuff in their shopping carts. Go to another country, that would be like a rich, broke person because those people literally only have the clothes that they're wearing on their back. They don't have to think, you know, they don't have ways to collect things like that. So it's all about perspective and the American dream and having an immigrant mom understanding that, you know, being in the United States was the unlimited bounds of potential. And I actually made a post about that this morning on my Facebook. I talked about how people are talking about raising the minimum wage. And I said, this is such a victim mindset. It's like, why don't you guys focus on that? They're not being a limit on a maximum wage. You can make as much as you want by monetizing and learning new skills and improving yourselves. My very first job was McDonald's minimum wage, worked there two and a half years in high school. I had no qualms about thinking that this was my career. I was going to hang out at the very bottom, lowest pay scale that exists. Like, why are we so yeah. focused on the bottom of the barrel pay scales when there's no limit? There's no upper limit. Like, improve yourself, get better, like do something more. If you're going to complain about your job, that's your problem. Like, get better, get better education, get more skills, move somewhere where the jobs exist. And yeah. I get some people are like, oh, well, Tony, that's easy for you to say. Yeah, it's because I've done all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that stuff. I, I flipped yeah. burgers. I mowed yards. A bit. I was a waiter, worked in restaurants, paid my way through college, working as a pipe fitter, as a grinder, as a laborer out in Texas hot sun every summer and every, every day. And so it's like, I don't have time for excuses. And I think a lot of people just make a lot of excuses and they surround themselves with other people who are making excuses. And that's going to be really the number one reason that keeps people from playing big it's because they hang around with a bunch of other people who play small, who reinforce that victim mindset, and they make you believe that nothing is possible. So you got to start hanging around with other people or finding people online who can believe in you. Because a lot of times people don't believe in themselves because they surround with themselves with other people who knock them down. So the American dream is about taking action, getting results, understanding that you're not always going to win. It's okay to fail but you learn from those failures. You brush yourself up, you get back up, you try something better, you refine your message, you try again, you try again and try again. Something's going to hit, but you can never give up because other people have already accelerated these things. They've already seen the results that you want for yourself. So go learn from the people who have done the things that you want to accomplish. Quit taking advice from people that you wouldn't trade places with. Understand yeah. that not all advice is good advice. Go learn from people and ask people the questions from the people that you want to learn from that have achieved the things that you want because everybody's got two cents to give you when you're trying to do something. And sometimes you should give those people change. <laughs> Very good. Very good. You know, last week we, um, or week before last week we dropped Bejo's Koolian's interview. I don't know if you, and he talks yeah, about no that. Yeah. You know, and he talks about the immigrant edge, you know, same thing with Andrew Patrick Bett and, and he says the same thing. I you know we have a lot of stories of people who come here from other countries, many of whom fled communism, you know, or just came as a teenager on their own and now won an Emmy, you know, and, be, and became that because they have, and they all say the same thing. We had the drive, you know, we knew that we had to do it. You all just expect it. You have mom, dad taking care of things. You worry more about your phone, you know, and the latest app that's out there that you can streak on or whatever. And, and I'm worried about like, how am I going to hustle and get that job over you? You know, so there is, there is truth to that, but it doesn't have to be only people who are direct immigrants or only people who are raised by them, right? We can all have that mindset, but I think there's a lot to learn. Just like as we blend the med, uh, the military and the civilian communities, because civilians can learn a lot from the veterans and that, 
that mindset and that never quit and the never give up. So too, can we blend the other communities, right? Who have that different mindset. And I love that. It's super exciting for me to happen. Super exciting for me to find people to share that with our audience. And I'm very grateful for you to take the time and, and share that with our audience today. So thank you so much. Yeah. Just gain perspective, people. If, you, yeah. if you've if you only been in your small town or your city or your state and you don't really venture out and you're hanging around with the same echo chamber of your friends, surround yourself with people that disagree with you respectfully and you're going to gain more insights and more perspectives. So don't always think that you got to hang around people that reinforce you or have what we call con confirmation bias. That's yeah. a deadly thing and it's going to keep you playing small. When you start to gain perspectives and try to understand, you may not have to agree with people. That's the other thing that people realize is like, we don't have to agree with other people's perspectives, but if you can try within your heart and soul to try to understand their perspective, feel some empathy for why they feel that way, you're going to gain more insight. It's going to make you feel a little bit different the way things happen and things way things play out. But by all means, gain that perspective. Go go travel the world. Go see the world. Go visit some third world countries. Go volunteer. Do some missions. Go do some things like that. And when you come back here, you're going to have a very, very different perspective of how much, how awesome this country is. And you won't take things for granted any longer. Love it. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Tony Watley for being here as well. If you got any value out of this episode, please share it on social media, share it on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, tag us at American Snippets. You can also listen to this, uh, watch this full video interview as well on YouTube uh, at American Snippets. We publish a lot of stuff on our YouTube channel that we don't publish here on the podcast. Um, don't forget to visit americansnippets.com to check out the full featured article that we did on Tony. Um, we You can watch the video interview there. Uh, we also include some social media links to his Instagram and Facebook and to his website so you can learn more about Tony and how to follow him and get more involved in what he's doing. Um, and of course, uh, if you got value out of this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Uh, we hope to see you next week. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. <laughs>